0: Welcome to the fourth season of Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Stories. This is Anne Marie Zanzel, your host, and I am so excited to share some changes to our podcast that are really great, and I think you'll be as excited as I am about it. First of all, we will be dropping a new podcast every other Friday. This is at the request of our listeners who wanted to hear more. Secondly, my producer, Barb Rowenson, will be joining me as a conversation partner as we discuss things coming out. Barb is a fellow late-in-lifer and also the mom of a queer kid, and so she has a lot of insight and experience to share with us. And thirdly, we're going to be focusing also on the beyond. Love to hear your coming out stories, but I want to hear the beyond. Sometimes magical things happen when we come out and we have a life that we could have never imagined. Many of us say this is the best thing that we've ever done. So let's get started. Welcome to the show. Tell me your story. Hi, welcome to our today's podcast of coming out and beyond LGBTQIA plus stories. And I am so excited for our guest today. Stephanie Weikert is a certified yoga therapist and creator of the Make Peace With Stress Method. She wants to live in a world where all women flourish because she knows that when women thrive, everyone benefits. She mentors women who feel stuck and struggle with overwhelm and self-doubt to incorporate the time-tested wisdom of yoga into their daily lives so they can be balanced, calm, and confident. When she's not teaching women to use life's challenges as catalysts for growth, she can usually be found hiking or planning to hike all the trails, reading, practicing ukulele, or working on her first book about how to make peace with stress. Discover more about Stephanie and make peace with stress at makepeacewithstress.com. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited because I am a yogi and I can't wait to hear what you're going to talk about today. But first, tell me your story.
1: So my coming out story is uh, uh, started about 10 years ago. I started just noticing some things that I was paying attention to that felt confusing that I um, explained away as something other than what it really was. And after... Um, a number of years of going back and forth and questioning and wondering and denying and suppressing and all the things that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually heard you on a podcast and you said, Straight women don't lie in bed at night wondering whether or not they are gay. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, there you have it."
0: <laughs> that solidified a lot for me. So, you heard that. So, what happened next? Were the you married? Next,
1: yeah, you- I was I was in a marriage with a man um at that point it was I don't know, 18 years. I had mm-hmm. two children. And the very next thing I did was got sober mm-hmm. because in those years of struggling and questioning and all of that, one of the ways that I coped was over drinking and smoking pot almost every day. Mm-hmm. And even though I felt pretty sure that I knew that I was gay, I wasn't about to blow up my whole entire life until I was really, really sure and clear. And so getting sober was just part of that for me. So um, I did that for a couple of years and all the same feelings were still there. And um, so in early 2019 January of 2019 I came out to my husband and um and he was great super supportive super understanding you know recognized that it was true and not something that i had, you know done wrong or whatever um Mm -hmm. which I felt really blessed about
0: and that's actually really wonderful as you know, like not everybody has that experience.
1: I totally understand. And you know, the truth is, I didn't know I was going to have that experience. I spent, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at least a year, uh, once I came out to myself and knew that was true, um, sort of plotting how to move forward. And the biggest perceived obstacle was that he was going to, you know, not take it well, and that that was going to be a you know, a thing to deal with. Um, but he did, he was great and still is, we're still very close. Um, we decided to keep the status quo in our household until we could, you know, live with this information for a while, which was very liberating for me. And, um, and then we talked to our kids, um, about nine months later. So it was, you know, Mm -hmm. it's been, couple of years now and they're they're teenagers they're now 18 and almost 16 um and 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 that was actually more challenging for uh, my daughter than it was for my son she's the older one um so we you know took took some time there to um let that information settle and to just be there for them we really wanted to tell them nothing's going to change right now let's Work together through this, Um, and you know that that was a, a roller coaster. It was a lot absolutely. of ups and downs, yeah, as yeah. there always will be, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, and and then and then we were uh, my now ex and I were about to start. We were talking about separation and and moving forward when the pandemic hit. And obviously, that just put a big halt on everything. But ultimately, in um, September of 2020, I left the house on a a semi-permanent basis, you know, a temporary, you know, transitional basis. And we did that for a while until finally um, in 2021, I moved out and we got divorced and, you know, doing custody and, you know, always working through the challenges that are present in life for everybody, but yeah, a unique yeah. circumstance.
0: Can I ask you, just because we come from the um, same, like later in life background, And this is a big question that a lot of people ask is, how did you navigate like the months in the house with your husband? Did you guys get a separate bedrooms? Did you, did you, how did you do all that? Because a lot of times I feel like uh, that, that period, and is it like a stopping post along the way and people sort of navigate all that? Well, and everybody does it differently just because Stephanie did it this way. Doesn't mean it's the way to do it, but I'm just curious. How did you do it?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And interestingly enough, we had already been in separate bedrooms for a little while Uh, we we had renovated the year or and a half or so before we had renovated our basement to be a den slash guest room space for the kids and whatever. And we live in Baltimore and in a narrow three-story plus a basement row house. And the primary bedroom and bathroom are on the third floor. And in the summer, it's hot up there, no matter <laughs> what you do. Yeah. And my ex is a very hot sleeper and also stayed up much later than I did and all of that. So we he had started sleeping in the basement you know, even before I came out to him, um, just out of like, it just worked better for us. So that was a fairly simple thing to navigate in terms of the bedrooms, because that was already the case. Now, what was more challenging is the, you know, the idea of that we're still married, that we had that I hadn't come out to all of our friends who mostly lived on the same block that we spent a lot of time with. And so that was really challenging sort of having that, those two worlds, right? Where in inside the house, everyone knows what's going on and it's comfortable, but then outside of the house, it felt to me, which I had been doing for so long, like that we were just, you know, putting on a happy face or a front right. So that people, was
0: really hard. Yeah. A lot of times people describe that you feel like you're living two lives.
1: Yeah.
0: It's it's, that's very hard. It, we're not yeah. meant to be in the in-between for a long yeah. time. we no. were just to go from one point, point A to point B and not yeah. hang out in point A, point five for right. a it's couple true. of you.
1: It's for true. And you mentioned yoga and the definition of of the word it's yoga fun. is union, right? Yeah. To bring all of you together as one thing. And so that was really challenging for me. I spent many times in social situations just sort of feeling very anxious because I'm like, these people don't know who I really am, and I can't tell them. And it's, you know, just yeah, yeah. really stressful. So
0: it sounds like all in all, I mean, it seems like it was a couple of year process from when. Well, first you got sober, but once you got sober. Um, which by the way, is very, very common for when women become sober, they realize that they're not straight sometimes. Yeah. So that is very normal. Um, so it, it sounds like the process was like started in 2019. And then, you know, it was a couple of years of navigating all that change with your spouse, now ex-spouse and your yeah. kids. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And,
1: you know, I would just like to point out, though, that 2019 was the moment that I actually came out and it was probably five years before that in terms of questioning, going back and forth shrinking myself to, into oblivion, smoking myself into oblivion, uh, and then, and then ultimately getting sober and, and saying, okay, this is real, this is happening. I can't deny it. I can't suppress it anymore. So, you know, I just want to acknowledge that it it can be a very long process. Oh, yeah. I also feel like it's important to share. Cause I, I, I don't, I feel like I don't hear this as often, but I started questioning my sexuality without having had any like, real experience yes, with me too.
0: Yeah, yeah, same thing. I mean, and it's it's we're more of a minority. Yeah, you know, we really are, um, but we're not alone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Most women, um, when they begin their coming out journey, either they've had experiences in high school and college, and yeah. or in their young twenties or something. And then, nope. then there's people who like fall in love with somebody. Right. You we know, talk about the catalyst, right. but like I was the same. Like I came out without having really much experience at all, yeah. except yeah. maybe leering at women. Right. And, you know, so it was really like I like and I and I the way our stories intersect. like it was 10 years from when I had the aha moment like oh yeah I'm not straight and I don't even think I used that language then Mm. to when I actually physically you know began the whole coming out process so sometimes I think it's really nice to honor the fact that it doesn't happen for some people like boom 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 it's more like it takes a while (laughs) it can really take a while for yeah, sure so give us i think what we're trying to say is give yourself grace yeah you know, yeah and compassion so yeah. tell me about your work stephanie
1: so i am a certified yoga therapist and um i my business is called make peace with stress and this is super relevant to uh, this conversation because the method that I started using and now teach, um, I actually discovered in my early, my late twenties when mm-hmm. I had been struggling with anxiety self-doubt, overwhelm, you know, just sort of the roller coaster of of chronic stress. And the first thing, the, the sort of catalyst, if you will, of, of changing my life is that I developed in that like decade from my like late teens to late twenties of, of really struggling I developed a compulsive behavior of pulling on my eyebrows and eyelashes. It's, Mm -hmm. I now know it's called trichotillomania. People pull on their hair, but a common compulsive behavior that people are um, more familiar with is nail biting. Right. And it's like a nervous habit. It's a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Well, mine was pulling on my eyebrows and eyelashes, and I had this experience where I had all my eyebrows and eyelashes were completely gone. And I was renovating a bathroom, the house that I had purchased at 26 years old. And I saw myself in the mirror and I had what I now know from being a, a yogi is a, a, a witness consciousness, right? Or at, at the time I thought of it as an out of body experience. I saw myself from beyond myself. And I and I saw myself in the mirror and I heard a very clear, distinct voice that said you can either take ownership of your experience or just stay stuck and miserable (laughs) and so obvious. But at the time, it was this huge sort of like hearing you on that podcast. Yeah, it was was just it was just like, oh, there it is. You either like make changing your life and feeling better and getting on track with what you really want your priority or just keep spinning out. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I I decided that I was going to figure out how to stop pulling on my eyebrows and eyelashes, because even though there weren't any there, I still had the nervous habit of scratching and picking and pulling. And it you know, it's not a good look. <laughs> and so I um I said and that's for our,
0: for, wait a minute, for our listeners, Stephanie has very full eyebrows. So,
1: you know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And you can actually on my website there I have a picture of myself with no eyebrows or eyelashes. It's uh you know, it was hard to see. And so I I decided that's what I was going to work with. I was like, if I can just stop doing that, then I can, then I, th- I feel like that will be, uh, you know, that will get some momentum going. Mm-hmm. So what I started doing without knowing what I was doing is when I found myself looking for eyebrows or eyelashes to pull on a yank on, when I found myself doing that, having that anxious, nervous coping mechanism, I would literally sit on my hands and bend over in the chair that I was, you know, sitting in, or sometimes I would stand up against a wall, or I even did it sitting on the toilet sometimes. Um, And I'd bend over and I would just take some slow breaths. And I would say to myself at first, stop doing that. (laughs) Just stop yourself just mm-hmm. stop yourself. And as I kept doing it and I the that language evolved to you're okay, it's going to be okay. You can handle this. That sort of thing. And then even that evolved. And 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 even though I stopped really picking and pulling on my eyebrows and eyelashes because that simple process of of paying attention to how I was feeling and when I was feeling awful, you know, really f- stressed under the umbrella of stress anxious overwhelmed you know freaking out doing some nervous habit whatever um i i would do this and i i would feel better like right away it didn't last, but it was enough to stop the, you know, the habituated pattern of what I now know is chronic stress of, of freaking out and then, you know, freaking out because you're freaking out and, you know, getting into this vicious cycle. So that became the make peace with stress method years and years later. But when I was questioning my sexuality, I used the very same method I used this also to get sober. When I needed to support myself, when I recognized that I was out of alignment, that something was off, that I, I, I didn't feel satisfied or content. Um, whenever I felt uncomfortable or you know, any of the things, uh, I, I would simply pay attention. What's going on inside of me? And it shifted from, you know, this shame. on, You know, what's my problem? Like, you know, why? Oh, well, yeah. I-,
0: I heard how your language became more gentle with yourself.
1: Exactly. Way yeah. more gentle and more curious. And um, and and so that's the first the first step of the make peace with stress with process make peace with stress process is simply noticing noticing your inner experience giving yourself the ability to pay attention without judging and labeling and criticizing and shaming and all of that to recognize that whatever's going on inside of you is information that you need right just like, being hungry or, you know, bleeding or <laughs> having an earache, right? It's simply something that your body and mind and heart and soul are trying to communicate to you. So noticing that
0: and paying attention. Well, what I am what I am hearing is the ability to not fall into your feelings just to be able to stand as a curious observer and say, okay, what's going on? Right. So what I find the hardest thing to do though, is to get to the place where people become curious observers. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, like once they get it, once they understand that, oh, I do not have to fall into the, well, use your, you know, your, your, uh, tick, you know, your, your, your stress method of pulling your eyebrows out. Like you realized at some point, oh, I don't have to do this. And you got rid of the, I would say the physical need first by sitting on your hands. So you really like you you made it a physical experience because it's basically embodiment and, you know, and so you did that. Like, how do you work with your clients? So they get to the point where they are observers of their experiences and not caught up. in? um,
1: Yeah. It's just practice. And it's, 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 something that I to this day, I'm 50 years old, and I started doing this at 27. It, I to this day, uh, work with that as a practice of, you know, recognizing when I'm swept up in the momentum of a pattern versus when I am being intentional. And so it, A, it's just a practice. But B, when we have a, ha- a habituated pattern, we have to acknowledge our agency over it. And that in and of itself is a practice. In fact, it's not an officially uh, part of the make peace with stress method, but the first module in the program is called reset and reset is simply a practice of pausing, just Enjoy. pausing right? Because okay. anything that has momentum is going to keep going in that direction. But if you can start to interrupt it, even for one second, mm-hmm. you, in terms of the neurology of it, you're, you, you, you literally interrupt that neural synapse and give yourself an opportunity to create a new one, but you have
0: to be willing to interrupt it. Hey, Barb, my fellow late-in-life lesbian.
2: Hi! Well, hello, fellow late-in-lifer Anne-Marie. You know, I love being an out-and-proud lesbian.
0: Me too. It's the best being a queer person.
2: Right? And it's so different from my previous straight life. Yes, ma'am, it is. And now, okay, so let me ask you a question. Go for it. Okay. so. Just remind me again, how long did it take you to actually come out? Like, I mean, from the first time that you
0: realized you were probably gay to actually coming out. (laughs) That's a very complicated question, but in my adult life, first time when I realized I was gay, it was a long process, probably almost a decade.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can take so long, right? It's there's so much to
0: wrestle with when you're coming out later in life. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the reason why it's so difficult coming out. First, you know, you have to come out to yourself. And then sometimes some of us choose coming out to our husbands and kids if we're married or our partners, coming out to family, figuring out how to move forward as a queer person. And and what does that mean for us? Does it mean that we're going to get divorced? Are we gonna stay in our marriage? There's a lot of questions. And then also wrestling around issues around religion and faith. And most important part to me is finding other queer people to connect with, like dating. There's so much to unpack Mm -hmm. and it is a pretty overwhelming process. Mm -hmm.
2: You know, honestly, I, I think of it as a second coming of age. Like, it's like you're actually a teenager again, and you are figuring out how you fit into the world. It's exactly like that. And that's why we call it a second adolescence, right, Barb? <laughs> that's so accurate and so true. And I remember, I, I remember it very keenly, how challenging it was and how like lost I felt sometimes. And I know that many of you who are listening are feeling that way too. So let me say this. If you're a person listening to this podcast, and you think that, you know, maybe you're not quite as straight as you thought you were, you should check out Anne-Marie's Lotus Group Coaching Program. And I suggest this, not because that I've taken it, but because I have seen the work that you do with people, and I know that it helps, and I wish that I had had this program when I was coming out. So, Anne-Marie, I want you to tell the nice people who are listening,
0: what exactly is Lotus Group Coaching? Well, first of all, thank you so much, Barb. That's really nice to hear. And it does give me a lot of joy to work with people who are coming out later in life. Um, So what is Lotus Group Coaching? It is a program I offer to um, cis, trans, and non-binary people who are comfortable in those spaces. And I've taken my years of experience as a minister, a chaplain, a grief counselor, an adult development trainer, and my own experiences of coming out later in life. And I came out at 52, folks. That's not actually a spring chicken. So I know how hard it is to come out after living my life as a straight married woman with four kids. And I created a coaching program to help clients transition from their straight pre-coming out lives into their authentic sexuality. And this is a real, truly holistic program that includes meditation, lots of group sessions, one-on-one coaching sessions with me, videos, articles, assignments, a whole host of things to help you uncover and embrace your identity. And you know, I have worked with over hundreds of people with this program. And for me, it is such gratifying work and really feels like my life's purpose.
2: Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's truly amazing. It's an amazing thing to see. And you know, one of the greatest things about it is that it takes people from this place of feeling very alone, and then it puts them into a community of other people who are dealing with the same issues.
0: Absolutely. And as you both, you and I both know, community is everything. Mm, Amen. Yeah. Community is everything for people who are first coming out and community is... Still, a tremendously important living as an out queer person mm-hmm. in this world. And so, the community is a big part of Lotus Group coaching. Um, having others who are going through the same thing with us or witnessing our journey, or maybe a, they're a little ahead of us on the journey, and having someone like myself to help guide us along the way is really an incredibly valuable part of this program.
2: Oh, I agree. And okay, so, um, Emery, if you are someone who's listening to this program, what are the next steps that they should be taking?
0: All right, so the first thing I would recommend, community again, on my website, annmariezanzal.com, you can download a free guide I have created. It's a coming out guide and there's lots of great reading in there. And as soon as you jump on the page, it will um, be a pop-up. If you don't find it there, you can find it in the coming out resources section of my website.
2: Mm -hmm. And we'll drop a link in this podcast and the YouTube video description so that you can find it easily
0: and the next thing I think is really important to do is book a discovery call with me
2: okay but uh okay so what is a discovery call so explain that for those who might not know what that is
0: A discovery call is an opportunity to talk to me personally in a half an hour call. Um, It is an opportunity for you to tell me your story. And I always say that it is so incredibly healing to be able to tell our stories to another person. I'm gonna listen to you without judgment. Believe me, I've heard hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories Mm -hmm. of people coming out later in life. And then we'll see whether your Lotus Group coaching is a good fit for you. And the call is free, right? Yep, absolutely spanking free. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I have a, and I also have a link to book the call with me and we'll drop that in the podcast or in the YouTube video description. And please don't hesitate. There's absolutely no obligation to join. It's just a Zoom call. And hey, you know, this could end up being one of the best things you've ever done for yourself.
1: And what I have found in my years of practicing and teaching this is that it's a practice and then it evolves, right? Sometimes we, you know, we can like get the low hanging fruit (laughs) Mm -hmm. of like, oh, it's obvious that I can stop myself with this. But then sometimes there's deeper ingrained patterns that have been there for a long time that take a long time to, to, you know, cultivate agency over, Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think the most important piece is really believing that life is here to help us to be um exactly what we need to become the person that we're supposed to be. Become. Yeah. 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 And that when we start to embrace that piece, that that's the gateway to starting to change how you pay attention and or how you label or perceive your inner experiences but it's, it's an ongoing thing for sure. Oh yeah.
0: Like, like, you know, I've been meditating and, and doing yoga for years. Um, I, and so it, for me, sometimes it feels like that I, I will focus more on one than the other. So I'm in a meditation period right now where I'm meditating a lot. Um, but it's practice. It's, it, totally it, it's a practice. It is yeah. like, I will pra- like, even like, like my work as, as a listener, as a professional listener, it's a practice. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, like I, 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 you know, you do the best you can. I give myself so much grace with like meditation and stuff like that. I laugh when I get super distracted and I'm like, okay, well, I guess this isn't the day to do this um, or this isn't the time to do this, but right. you know, learning to give yourself a lot of grace when you're practicing, especially something new. Yeah. Which, sure. So so tell me like you like tell me like can you give me some examples of what is like your you know you know starting point? method and what you teach people in the first couple to wet people's appetite as they're listening, what you teach people as if they're dealing with a high level of stress or just want to learn how to cope with stress.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the reset piece is really the first thing that I always teach. And with that, you said it so well in terms of the embodiment of, you know, of your, of your patterns Um, And really what most of us, what all of us experience when we're experiencing chronic stress is just a dysregulated nervous system. Mm -hmm. And, And the reason my program is called Make Peace with Stress is because our stress response is there to guide and support us. It, it's very purposeful. And I think a big issue is that when you think that stress is bad, and then you experience stress, and then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. And this is terrible. I got to figure this out. Then you perpetuate it. And it's a vicious cycle that can be really hard to get out of.
0: Well, we label, we label it as bad. Stress, exactly. is bad. And, stress and and that's bad.
1: conventional wisdom it's not
0: our faults that we label it oh, as bad. no we no matter at all
1: for a long time that you know stress it will is like the deadliest
0: thing there is well it's like when people are labeled you know when they hear the term codependent and they like oh it's everything about being coded well it's yeah it there's some things about it but there's actually some things that are can be positive about people that struggle with codependency yeah. so it's like not everything is just inherently bad and stress right. what i'm hearing you say isn't inherently bad it's there for a reason to protect us i'm sure it has something to do with our fight or flight it's like in our uh what do we call it our amphibian brain you know Yeah. exactly it, it, that's where stress comes from it's there yes. to protect us i assume yeah
1: Yes. And then, you know, in our modern life, most of our stress is psychological (laughs) stress, right? It's all up in our minds. Most of us, thankfully, are not in actual physical danger, but our bodies don't know the difference, right? When we are freaking out about a deadline, let's say, or, you know, getting really upset about traffic, as far as our body is concerned, we are in physical danger. So we're telling, you know, we tell ourselves this is a problem. And then our body responds as if it's a problem. And then we perpetuate it. So in terms of the reset and the ways to start just interrupting that something as simple as one slow, intentional, deep breath can just start to get a little wedge in that, um, in that chronic cycle. And so that's something that you can do and use often. And part of what I teach is real integration into your daily life. So what are things that you do every day, once or twice or several times a day that you can use as a trigger for taking one slow intentional breath? You know, things like every time you walk through a doorway or when you go to the bathroom or, you know, in the, when you're brushing your teeth or, you know, showering or getting dressed or, you know, if you're driving in the, driving the car, yeah, there's so many opportunities to just practice that pause. And it's it's so simple, but it can be so incredibly powerful when you're in that space of spiraling and feeling like you don't know how to change anything because what we also tend to do is think we have to change everything all at once. And that just flat out does not work for our nervous Absolutely
0: system. Absolutely not. It's, so, it's the small changes it's the that small, add up to the big changes. You 100%. know, hundred percent. Absolutely. So, um, you practice the pause. You say, I thought that was a great idea. It's like, I'm thinking, oh, you could do it when you're having your cup of coffee in the morning or something like that. You said going through the doorways. I would love to hear like, you know, what you typically advise, but also like, I'm sure your clients have come up with some, like, you're like, oh my gosh, I've never even thought about that before. Yeah, well,
1: what I'd like to share first is what we do, which okay. is... Because this can be helpful to everyone, which is to spend one day or, you know, one or two days really paying attention to what you do and all the things that you do, because what we're looking for here is your existing routine. And the reason that it's important to really pay attention and, and often my clients will literally take a piece of paper or on their phone, like take, you know, start a note and just write down a long list of every little thing that they're doing all day for a day or two. And the reason that that's really important is because our routines by definition are things that we do without thinking about thinking them, about them. Yeah. and this is beneficial because what we can we can start to sh- make small shifts in our routine so that eventually taking a deep breath as you walk through the doorway any doorway uh, is second nature you're not thinking about it you're not having to intentionally practice it But it makes a dramatic difference in your life because it's something that you're doing multiple times a day. So I tend to really focus on the the morning and evening routines because, you know, behavioral psychology shows us that, you know, the first five to 20 things that we do every day are the same. And the last five to 20 things that we do at the end of the day, for the most part are, are yes. the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but you know, some great times or anytime you um, get ready to eat something, literally just take two deep breaths. So simple. I'd also love to just make sure, you know, it's easy to say, oh, take a deep breath, but there's a specific way of breathing that can be really beneficial to your nervous system as it relates to stress versus just taking any old deep breath. One thing that I see a lot is someone takes a deep breath and they're like, <gasps> right? And that like, that like really intense inhalation where everything sort of comes up to the neck and shoulders is not helpful. But really focusing on your exhalation and lengthening and deepening your exhalation helps you to quite literally offload that excess energy in your nervous system. All right.
0: So do you tell us how I know so tell us how to do it and yeah, I'll be, I'll my be your faith, Yeah, <laughs>
1: my favorite simple way is exhaling through pursed lips as if through a straw. So because that just when you're when you purse your lips and blow your breath out as if through a straw, it literally narrows the airway and it helps you to slow and lengthen versus just for demonstration purposes, the <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little but maybe not so much for some people so pursing your lips and exhaling as if through a straw looks like this
0: all right so we're gonna have everybody listening right now to breathe in with Stephanie and I and then breathe out for with pursed lips so we might have about 15 to 20 seconds of silence so here we go Steph let's go
1: Let's start with the exhalation. Go ahead and purse your
0: lips. Yes. Go ahead and
1: purse your lips and blow whatever breath you have out gently. And then seal your lips and inhale through your nose. And just keep doing that. And as you exhale, really slow and deepen that out breath. See if you can empty your lungs all the way out without overly forcing it, but be deliberate. And then as you inhale, just see what it takes as a practice to relax and let yourself expand and receive that in-breath. So many times when we think about taking a deep breath, we contract around pulling the breath in and that sets the nervous system off. Like something's wrong here, we're breathing funny. But if you can imagine that you're like a a balloon and just expanding gently in all directions to really Mm -hmm. let the breath
0: fill you up gently, that's a big difference. Well, and actually Stephanie, I was I was joking with Stephanie before we began and I um I can't I have a speech impediment so her name is really hard for me to say and she's she taught me this right before we got on air and it it works. It just you know, it does work. Um a breath, a breath work is amazing. It it really truly can change everything. Yeah. Stephanie, can I ask you? Do you do poses and stuff like that, or is it more just breath work with your clients?
1: Yeah, I do do some postural work, but it's really more about, as you said earlier, embodying how you want to feel. So. I don't teach as part of my program things like, you know, put rolling out a mat and putting on stretch pants and doing warrior and down dog and that sort of thing. But I do teach things like how you're sitting in your chair, which from a yogic perspective is seated mountain pose, right? Right. But if you're, you know, and you said earlier that sometimes you sit in your office chair for, you know, long hours, and I'm pretty sure that most people can relate to that. And you're slumped over and you're, you know, all crooked and slouched at a makes it hard to breathe well, but also the your physical posture directly relates to your state of mind. So if you're, you know, if you're chest is sunken and your shoulders are rounded and you're slumped over, you're going to feel how that looks. And so that can make a big difference. Things like the way you stand in line at the grocery store or, you know, when you're in the shower, the way that you use your body can either be same old same old perpetuated patterns or a moment of intention where you are, you know, focused on how your body feels and enjoying the warm water and you know the shampooing of your hair and really getting in touch with your physical feelings so that you can adjust them enjoy them and really be more and more observant on how that affects your mental state. Well,
0: it sounds like it, 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 the beginning of your program is about mindfulness, really. It is about being mindful of every moment and not sort of sleepwalking through it. Not that we can be mindful of every moment, but when, for example, like you said, when you're taking a shower, being very mindful of the experience of the shower, of the hot water, the soap going down your side of your face and down your back and all that stuff like that. So it sounds like it's, it's, it's about really, it sounds like that it's really about mindfulness and breath and, and and awareness like it's
1: true yeah. yeah and I I'd love to share that the best ways to do that are to look at the areas of your life that you're really experiencing discomfort. So for example, in the shower, I had one client a long time ago say, I I get in the shower and I immediately start thinking about my to-do list of the day, getting anxious about, am I gonna be able to deal with it all? Wondering what I'm gonna wear and hating on my wardrobe and how much weight I've gained. And, And so her entire shower experience was one of perpetuating stress, like starting off her day in a tizzy because of the way that she was using her mind in those moments. And so for her, that shift of her shower becoming a moment of deep physical, mental, emotional, uh, you know, and behavioral, even self-care made a dramatic difference. I had another client who traffic and just driving and being in the car was just chronically upsetting for her. She just was always worried about, you know, all the things. And so for her reclaiming that space, because it was such a, a, a source of stress and upset for her really made a big difference. So I would advise everyone to... Really pay attention to like, what are some of the hardest challenges that you experience every day in terms of feeling, you know, frantic and worried and overwhelmed and upset, impatient, whatever it is. There's so many things that fall can fall under the umbrella of chronic stress and and say okay just like me with my eyebrows and eyelashes so many years ago so focus on the on one, one thing, thing yeah and just say i'm going to reclaim that small space and just start with that and what will happen is you'll cultivate the skills in that particular area and it'll make such a big difference that it will also give you the confidence and build momentum to start doing it in other ways. And in uh, ways that, you know, are in like bigger life challenges, right? I like to focus on part of the daily stuff first, because when we're stuck in chronic stress, the daily stuff is what is almost like the engine that really keeps it going. And then we have nothing for, you know, bigger things like, Getting a divorce (laughs) or you know, figuring out custody or whatever those things might be for you know for anybody, the bigger life challenges.
0: Well, thank you, Stephanie. And if you want to hear more about what Stephanie does or get in touch with her, you can find her at makepeacewithstress.com. So we're gonna go back to your queer side for a minute, okay? Yes. So do you have a coming out song?
1: Yeah, I love this question. And I didn't think of it as a coming out song during my coming out process, but the but India Ari's song I Am Light was so felt so important to me because it just cut through the labels and cut through the you know there's there's some lyrics in there that's like i'm not the mistakes i've made i'm not you know all of the thing the outside things and it just really gets to the essence of all of us are you know are humans and that key piece really helped me recognize that my experience although i felt alone for a long time it felt unique for a long time really is just a
0: human experience, experience yeah so how, about, how about books or movies that you change your perspective on life
1: 100 mm, the power of now by Eckhart Tolle that makes sense <laughs> that book, I just and I just so it, it also really influences the way that I teach because the thing that I love about the power of now and just about all of Eckhart Tolle's teachings is it just cuts through the, you know, all of the things I know for me, when I was going through, you know, really a lot of the challenges that I've been through in my life, but it's easy to get swept up and what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And when you cut through like, oh, you here's your choice, (laughs) this or this, it just is very liberating. It's like, oh, okay. That's, that's the way I want to go. So that's
0: what I need to work with. And so how would you describe your life today, Stephanie? You've been mm. through you've been through a lot of experiences. I don't think any of us gets to 50 with having a lot of life experiences. So how would you describe it today?
1: Yeah, I I think first and foremost is authentic, which you know, I'm sure to everyone listening resonates, right? That's what we really want is to be who we really are. And I I would just say with that, that that's your best self. Like, it's, it can be scary. It can feel for sure, like, you know, get, getting super vulnerable or being exposed or whatever, but we are all of our discomfort and unhappiness and struggle and, and, um, and suffering is because we're not being who we're really meant to be. is? It's, it's, it's a indication that, our authenticity has some room to expand in our lives, so embrace that. Go ahead. Yeah,
0: and what I was thinking too is that you know, for Stephanie and I, it was more about our sexuality and and other things as well, but more about our sexuality. But that's not true for everybody. Mm-hmm. But and for some people, it like authenticity is is you know we use it a lot of times in the LGBTQIA plus community, but really anybody. Like if you are not living your authentic life, if you are married to someone that you have nothing in common with you and you are very miserable, even though you've been married for 25 years, you know, go towards your authenticity because that also helps deal with a lot of times the stress. Sometimes yeah. it's stressful getting out of those types of situations. But really, it, it in the long term, it really helps with the stress and the feeling of restlessness yeah. and the feeling of I don't belong. Yeah. And yeah, and so embracing your authenticity is so very important. And I really yeah. am glad that you have done the work to do that, Stephanie. It's, it's a lot of work and you've done it a gazillion, like, and it's also too, what I love about your story is you didn't approach it just from one way. You approached it from a lot of different ways. So I appreciate that about your story. So if you want to hear from, again, if you want to hear more from Stephanie, you can find her at Make Peace from, it's makepeacewithstress.com. Yep. And um, I am so glad you joined me today on my show. It was great to hear your story. And it was also great to hear some real practical tips about how to deal with not the boogeyman stress. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. It's been great.
0: Thank you.
2: You've been listening to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA stories with Anne-Marie Zanzel. New episodes of the Coming Out and Beyond podcast drop every other Friday. You can tune in at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and at AnneMarieZanzel.com. Be sure to hit subscribe when tuning in so you never miss an episode. And for more resources, articles, videos, and a free downloadable guide for coming out later in life, visit annemariezanzel.com.